0: Hey, it's Leia Green here. I want to introduce you to a new series from The Guardian. It's called Innermost, and it's about strangers and their secret lives. If you like this episode, search Innermost wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to hear the full six episodes as they come out. Hope you like it.
1: Innermost is supported by Vodafone. Whether it's friends, family, or, in our case, complete strangers, Staying connected and keeping connected has never been so important, which is where Vodafone's unlimited data plans come in. To find out more, go to vodafone.co.uk.
0: This is Innermost, a podcast about strangers and their secret lives. I'm Leah Green, your host. Each week, callers have free reign to take me and you on a journey into one aspect of their lives. Hello. And in this first episode, two people entering a new way of living tell me how it's changed how they think about family.
1: So we went from just being me to the now there's there's 10 of us in the house. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the curtain goes round the coffin while you listen to some bit of Mozart or whatever it is, and that's that feels very strange. You can see their brains melting. They need air. They need to walk.
3: He's got this like really weird thing in his head where he thinks like I'm like a witch.
1: Get ready to dust off your Maps app, because things are getting back to normal. You can hang out in a park until you need the loo. You can visit a friend's house and sit outside it. You can go to a theme park and ride socially distanced roller coasters. Okay, so things aren't going back to exactly how they were, but in some ways, that's not a bad thing. After all, lockdowns made us better at staying in touch with distant loved ones, be it video calling, online watching parties, or just using messaging to check in on people we care about. Stay close to the people that matter as we move back into the real world. Keep connecting with Vodafone's unlimited data plans. Make reaching out part of your new normal. Two and ten megabit speed caps apply to unlimited light and unlimited plans.
2: Hello.
0: Hi, James. It's Leia from The Guardian.
2: So I've taken to giving a mate of mine who has a cafe at the end of my road, which is obviously all closed. I've chucked him some cash and I let myself in and I sit by myself amongst chairs on tables wow. in a closed cafe.
0: How strange.
2: <laughs> that's, uh, that's where I come to work for a few hours a day. And it's where I watch the funeral the funeral of my uncle, my father's brother, who died a few weeks ago in Western super And because of the COVID situation, obviously a normal funeral was not able to happen. And I experienced my first of, I suppose, perhaps my only online uh, web-based funeral I will experience in my life. I think we all slightly felt, oh, yes, Mike's funeral at two o'clock, we make sure we watch that. Um, and I wasn't really sure what to expect, as I'm sure none of us were. But what was interesting about it is all of us as a family, wrote to each other immediately afterwards, feeling that we'd been completely emotionally sort of knocked sideways by it.
0: Hello? Hi, is that Jessica?
3: Yeah,
0: that's me. Hey, it's Leia. How are you doing?
3: Hi, yeah, I'm okay.
0: Good. Where, where are you?
3: I'm actually in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I think because my home life can be quite unstable. Living with my brother, so when things do get like really crazy around here, I kind of just tend to just seek refuge in my friend's house. And uh, just haven't been able to do that really, just have to... Um, Stay with the, the the madness, so that that can be hard.
0: What do you mean, things getting crazy? What does the madness look like in your house?
3: Uh oh, my brother. He suffers from um, schizophrenia, and it's quite a, it's quite an advanced stage. So there's some days where he has like episodes of um, just screaming, yelling, um, just being really like grumpy to everyone. And you can hear him, you can hear him like hit himself, scream to basically nobody. And I think that's, that's kind of hard to, to live with. Is
0: lockdown and the experience of confinement for him, is that impacting on how kind of extreme his behavior is?
3: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think yesterday, yeah, I just, like, woke up in the morning. He was already screaming, yelling, um, slapping himself. And, you know, like, a friend texted me and, you know, he sort of was a bit aggressive. And then I just became really combative. Like, you know, it didn't even take a second to breathe. I just, you know, responded back with equal amounts of, like, firepower instead of just, like, asking, like, hey, what's going on? What's wrong? Why are you mad at me? I sort of, you know launched back, like, an attack. And I think that came from, like, the stress that was building up from the whole day being with him, shouting and screaming.
0: When you're kind of having a good day and you're feeling like you can tackle it, like, what are your coping mechanisms?
3: Well, on a good day, when I feel like I've got enough energy... I do try to cook like really elaborate meals and I see that he enjoys it and it makes his day feel a little better, which is good for me and it's good for everyone else in the house. And what is it about
0: the act of cooking and, and feeding your family that you think helps in this kind of difficult situation, helps you and and is so important to your brother?
3: Normally my mom sort of handles like meals for him and she normally gets uh, takeaway food like from restaurants or fast food joints from him and she says it's because she feels that he's very distrustful of her cooking that he feels like she's poisoning him or something and when the lockdown happened she was really stressed out about feeding him and I said I'll I'll cook some stuff just to see if he'll eat it and she's really, she was really surprised when he would he would actually ask like, "Oh, is Jess cooking today?" And we've come to realize that it's he just doesn't like her cooking. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not that uh, he thinks she he's poisoning him. <laughs>
1: Hi, I'm Abby, and I'm currently trying to write a book in the basement of a ten-person
0: house. Writing fiction and kind of creating this other world does that help you in a way to escape this big house full of people in a way that maybe another job might not?
1: Yeah, definitely, because getting fully immersed in this other in this other world that I'm, that I'm making, it's it's something to to look forward to. It does feel like I'm sort of leaving um, and going somewhere else. When you're a kid, Sunday afternoons are for lying on a blanket in the garden as your hair, damp from swimming lessons, turns crispy in the sunshine. Later, they're for sitting through family roasts, trying to keep down oily potatoes as the remnants of alcopops and cheesy chips sit high in your stomach. It's packing up leftovers for Monday's lunch, playing cards with your nan and painting toenails whilst watching reruns of Friends. Up until I left university, Sunday afternoons were sacred. Nowadays, the hours I spend alone on a Sunday feel crushingly lonely. The nice parts about it has been the activity when I sort of come up for air, like from the from the basement in between um, in between writing, and so it does feel in a way that like that's my commute. Coming up the stairs is is I've got I've got something to talk about. I've got I've, I've been somewhere. <laughs> <laughs>
2: In my case, I was sort of sitting by myself in an empty cafe at a table and I open the laptop and you put your earphones in and you're by yourself and there's a locked off picture from above. Of one end of a crematorium sort of funeral um, room and there's no one in it. It was very odd because it was both more immersive and completely removed at the same time, if that makes any sense. Sounds contradictory. And then there's that moment which is always, you know, incredibly moving whether you're watching it on a camera or a present where, you know, the curtain, well, it's just sort of grim, isn't it? The, cur- <laughs> the curtain goes round the coffin while you listen to some of Mozart or whatever it is and that's that feels very strange from a locked off camera position and that was very moving but it also I don't know if this is a slightly odd thing to say it almost felt like one of those sort of curtain moving around it felt like one of those sort of strange David Lynch dreams from Twin Peaks <laughs> if you know, you know what I mean yeah it's very very other
0: So much of a funeral in normal times is about the whole day, isn't it? Like when you think back to a funeral, you think back to getting dressed up in a suit, presumably, and then people coming around to the house and and people hanging around afterwards and chatting. It's not just about that ceremony. So did you feel like you missed that? And did you do anything else in the day to mark it?
2: No. And that's a good question. And I think that you've sort of highlighted again why it probably felt so odd and emotional but because you weren't doing those things that you normally do which is you know decide what i'm going to wear you've got to make the journey normally haven't you because sometimes it mm-hmm. be quite a long one you probably have to take either half the day or the whole day off so it fills mm-hmm. the day so i literally went i'll grab my laptop and my bag i was in my shorts and t shirt and i made sure i got up there in time in my head i thought okay i'll watch the funeral and then i'll do some writing <laughs> completely and naively but of course it knocked me sideways, and my emotions and brain were not in the least bit able to turn towards any thoughts of work after that. Of course not, but I hadn't predicted that. You don't expect it to have the emotional punch that it's going to because it doesn't seem to be taking up enough of the day to warrant that. Of course, that's a completely ridiculous notion. The camera version of a funeral is is your it's being stuff is being withheld from you. Human contact is being withheld.
3: It's really weird because he's been very hostile to me for like many years. Like, he won't even talk to me, or he'll snarl at me, or he's got this like really weird thing in his head where he thinks like I'm like a witch and. He never tries to talk to me. He doesn't even like eye contact with me. Like if we make eye contact, he sort of starts like a staring competition. And most of the time I've been told to like, not edge the situation up. So to just look away or ignore him. But sometimes, you know, I just look back at him and it really freaks him out. And like, since I've been making the meals and he can see me making the meals, he's become a lot more like gentler with me. We don't even, like, re- literally, we don't say a word to each other all day. And now he's sort of asking little questions like, can I help you? Can I wash up? It's weird. It's very weird. Um, he's even asked me for, like, clothing advice or, like, what types of sunglasses he should order online. It's It's gone from, like, zero conversation to little bits of friendly small talk
0: and how much difference does that make to you like when you assess kind of how your relationship is how does it make you feel
3: I'm trepidatious because it can change for him so as I start to feel really comfortable with it and then the next day he's like really mean again I think I would feel quite quite hurt so I've sort of put up like a wall like like it's just today you know know what it's gonna be like tomorrow but i i'm trying to tell myself to, to enjoy it in the moment and then maybe the next day it'll be different again and then that's okay as well
0: thank you for listening to innermost if you want to talk to me about your life Email me, including what you want to talk about, at innermost at theguardian.com. This episode was produced by me, Leah Green, and Esther opoku Jenny. Music and sound design is by Pascal Wise, and the executive producer is Max Anderson. Special thanks to coronadiaries.io. Again, please get in touch to share your story.
1: See you next time. Imagine how hard lockdown would have been without tech. Video calls kept you connected, online grocery deliveries kept you fed, and your smartphone kept you sane, even if that did largely involve sharing cat gifts with friends. But not everyone has a digital device during lockdown. According to Barnardo's, 300,000 young people and children are affected by digital poverty, harming their ability to keep connected or get the right educational resources. You can help by donating unwanted smartphones or tablets to Vodafone's Great British Tech Appeal to support Barnardo's, British Red Cross and safe lives. And it won't cost you a penny. Your device will be data wiped and packaged with three months of free unlimited connectivity. So not only can young people access crucial online resources for surviving lockdown, they too can share cat gifts. To donate, visit Vodafone.co.uk slash techappeal.